the dog howls every time the guy starts playing. He stops for a second, the dog stops. He starts, the dog starts. So, and his name is Piper Dude. Wouldn't you do, yeah. do the same? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> Welcome to We Don't Deserve Dogs. I am Dr. Lisa Lipman. I'm Richie Redding. (laughs) And today's guest is uh, the owner of Cushing Bagpipe Company in Ithaca, New York. Uh, I think you have, that's a different, that's the wrong mark, Cushing, babe. Huh? You. (laughs) I have egg on my face. Why don't I, why don't you let me take it from here? Okie doke. Okay. So, you know, if you Google Mark Cushing, that's what comes up the first thing. So, but the real Mark Cushing that we have on today, Mark is the founding partner of the Animal Policy Group, a longtime political strategist and former litigator. Since 2004, Mark's been specializing in animal health, welfare, veterinarians, veterinary educational issues. Mark is a frequent speaker at veterinary medicine and animal policy related conferences and an author with a new book. That I love, Pet Nation, the love affair that changed America. (laughs) Actually, I know the title by heart. And it tells really the story about how our pets became treasured members of our family, which I know all too well, right? And how we got to be where we are and almost how I got to do my job as an influencer, really, because it's uh, pretty incredible. So thank you for joining us. Hey, it's only fun hanging out with two, you know, hip New Yorkers, excuse me, New Jerseyers. Still New Yorkers um, for yeah. now. But dude, thank you so much for joining us. We we are we're very excited to have you. So, Mark, I guess our first question for you would really be how'd you get to be who you are? How'd you grow up with pets? Can you walk us through your whole life story? <laughs> so, I grew up with pets for a little while. And, and both my parents uh, have passed on, so I can say whatever I want about them now, and they can't do anything Hell to yeah. me. But uh, <laughs> I, was, I was number four of five. And when I was three, a collie, a gorgeous collie, uh, came into our backyard and had no collar, no identification, nobody chasing behind it. So we called him Prince. We were all fans of Lassie, the world's right. greatest dog mm-hmm. and greatest collie. And Lassie loved me because my brother and sister would go to school and I'd hang around Lassie all day or Prince all day rather when I was three or four. And then the sad story is, uh, this is going to date me, but when people delivered milk in small towns to your doorstep. Uh, in glass bottles. I think I know how this ends. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. So the guy claimed that, that Prince bit him. Prince didn't bite people. I mean, I can guarantee you Prince, Prince I'm sure growled. I'm sure the guy was a schmuck and, and deserved whatever he got. But in any event, he breaks a bottle over Prince's head. Prince isn't, he's, he's not killed. He's, he's bleeding. He, we take care of him. And my dad says to us that evening, hey, um, maybe living in town isn't the best thing for Prince. There's a oh, farmer client of mine. My dad was a small town lawyer. Yeah. And he said, he could roam free, herd the sheep, life's good. And we all were sad, but thought, well, that's okay. 20 years later, 
my four siblings and, and I were gathered the last time we were all together other than a funeral and we were having drinks. And my mom says to my dad, and, and my dad was called Kush, which is what my wife calls Strong. me. She said, Kush, you know, I wonder whatever happened to that to Prince, that great colleague. I wonder how life worked out for him. I'm sure he's passed on by now. And my dad looked at her, forgot the whole scam and said, honey, what are you, what are you talking about? And she goes, you know, Prince, when you took him out to that farm so he could, you know, and he, she said, honey, I had him, I had him put down that afternoon. And we all, all of us looked at my dad, who we thought was a kind, gentle man and just thought, you son of a bitch, are you serious? You lied to us all these years and you didn't even, you just had him put down that afternoon. That was oh it. Oh my. Wow. This is a serious theme on the podcast is people finding out later that the farm is not actually the farm. And then, and then, <laughs> you know, 10 years later, finding out that their parents had are. Had Lisa kill it. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks, Lisa. Pro- probably. I'm doing all the convenience <laughs> no, euthanasias these days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah convenience <laughs> euthanasia. It was rough. And then I had a cat named Bosco that uh, had one white toe, <laughs> all black, one white toe. And my mother, to be honest, didn't like pets. I'm not even sure she liked grandkids, <laughs> but she definitely didn't like pets. So that my parents always use the excuse of you don't keep your rooms clean. You don't help around the house. We're not getting a dog. We're not getting a cat. So um, I was denied uh, a pet the rest of my life. I, I didn't sue my parents. <laughs> no, though my, I'm an attorney and my brother's a lawyer. And, and you know, I think we could have handled it well. But uh, so I didn't grow. I didn't grow up with pets. I mean, do you ever think maybe you should just clean your room? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I'm a guy, Rich. That's that's not the default answer for us. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. For Lisa, I think that it might be, actually be the only way to get her to clean her room. Yeah. Yeah. She threatened to true. take Chloe away. Yeah. <laughs> My the goal in life is is to make enough money that you can hire people to do that. Right. Thank you, Mark. I like that goal. <laughs> that's, that's the goal. I like that goal. <laughs> absolutely. I got some more tips for you. When we're done. Uh, sure. Let's go. And then, so, how did you go down the road of getting involved in animal policy with your law career? I was a business litigator. Tried a ton of cases in Portland, Oregon. I loved it. Never thought I wanted to do anything else. And then I. Uh, either made the mistake or had the good fortune of getting a fellow elected governor of Oregon. Oh, wow. And so I started, my phone, my phone started ringing to be a lobbyist. I hired people to lobby, ended up running a client's company that led me to DC. And uh, I got a phone call from the founder of Banfield Pet Hospitals, which is owned by yeah. Mars now and the world's biggest group. And Lisa knows that practice. And they wanted me to solve a problem regarding, regarding microchipping of pets the little rice kernels you put in the shoulders of a dog or cat, mm-hmm. you can scan it and figure out who it belongs to. And they said, do you think the federal government could solve this problem? It was a big coalition, whatever. Uh, I said, give me a couple of days to think about it, figured it out. I got a great result, foolishly convinced people I knew what I was talking about and I was smart. Perfect. And all of a sudden I got, uh, which is one life's goal, right? Uh, besides playing the bagpipes, if, if you don't have that skill, <laughs> do the other. And so I figured I was done with the industry. I thought this was interesting and fun. And, you know, we had pets at the time. And so, you know, it was fun to do it, but I didn't think it was part of my life. And then, you know, when you have success, phone starts ringing. Hey, could you do this? Hey, could you do that? And suddenly about three years later, I woke up and I was full time with a great group of clients in this sort of pet animal health, veterinary, pharmaceutical, vet college space. So I've spent 15 years now be full-time doing what I'm doing. Very cool. Yeah, which leads us to uh, writing a book. So 
then, Mark, tell us, how did, how did the idea for the book come about? Well, a New Yorker talked to an agent in San Francisco. The New Yorker was my brother. He was working with this agent, who's a big deal agent, on a very obscure, very literary topic, I'm sure. And she somehow mentioned to him, she goes, you know, publishers really want to see a book about how everything changed with pets, you know, and what happened, how did it happen, why did it happen, you know, what was the story? And my brother said, that's interesting because here's what my brother Mark does for a living. He tells her like in 10 seconds, she says, we'll get to your idea later. What's his phone number? <laughs> that sucks for him. <laughs> you know, dumps my brother, calls me, and we have a long conversation about it. And, and uh, so the ideas had all been ideas that I'd been developing over the last eight years. And and because I had this eureka moment when – I discovered that pets weren't just fun and cute and sweet and things to show off um, and play with, but just fundamentally made people better, which we now know, as you know, as a vet, medically is the thing. You know, oxytocin goes up, cortisol goes down. Those are big words. Mm-hmm. But I practice I practice saying them as a <laughs> lawyer, yeah. so I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, and, they, and they create social capital. They actually have been proven to be the the force that makes communities work better than anything else. Churches, schools, sports teams, clubs, kids, kids. Well, in in the in the book, you talk about how I mean, now more than ever, uh, pets are the segue to kids for millennials, right? Or replace yeah. them even. Well, I, I think what they do is I, I don't. I'm sure I didn't say replace. Right. You didn't <laughs> but, say that. But, I but, said it, but 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 they often precede them. <laughs> You yeah. know, the, the, you know, millennials, millennials came out of college and they were going to have pets and, and they pushed dates back for having a child or getting married and all that. You know, I, I had five kids. None of my kids are going to have five kids. I'm sure right. of that, but they all have pets, you know? So I think what happened was uh, millennials took the, their baby boomer parents or Gen X parents example, but kind of doubled down with the number of pets and how soon they got pets and they wanted the same thing for their pets they want for themselves. And that's what's changed more than anything. And you're a veterinarian, so you know that. They they want human-scale health care yeah. for their puppy. Absolutely. They don't, they don't want to hear that, oh, he'll be okay right. or she'll be fine. You know, they want data. Yep. They want tests. And they want tips and techniques how to do it themselves the same way we take care of yep. our own health, right? Lisa's Which- a big believer in rub some dirt on it. You know, <laughs> yeah. walk it off dirt. and rub some dirt on it. <laughs> that's, that's my, her, my that's, typical that's medical phrase, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought that was like how you got rid of a bad date. Just rub some dirt on him. Yeah. <laughs> that just, too. It works. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, Windex, yeah. it works for everything. So that I think is like a beautiful segue into how we got brought together also, which was kind of through now virtual care, right? So will you tell our audience a little bit about the Veterinary Virtual Care Association and virtual care and like what we'll be doing, what they should be looking for? Because it is really catching up to human medicine to me in my eyes. So veterinary medicine, as you know, is full of acronyms. So you're, if you'd like, you can say Vivica. VVCA, if you want, sure. just because it it's, sounds real cool. It really ca- yeah. Veterinary Virtual Care Association is a long mm-hmm. one, but in any event, virtual care is a fancy way of saying telemedicine, and telemedicine is a somewhat fancy way of saying that's the care where the doctor is here and you're somewhere else, and you have an iPhone, smartphone, 
Zoom, dog Zoom, FaceTime. Dog oh, Zoom. Dog Zoom. Yeah. Excellent. Cat Zoom. <laughs> don't, don't get cat Zoom. Hedgehog Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, that's it. They're a pet. Yeah. So anyway, um, so basically human medicine for 30 years, driven by rural Kentucky originally, has seen telemedicine work. Not everybody can get to a doctor's office, get to a hospital, get to a clinic. Why wouldn't you use? Rural Kentucky, really? Yeah. So they, they had a huge project. So the eastern half of Kentucky is Appalachia. And, it's, yeah. and it has the worst numbers on any scorecard of obesity, income, opioid abuse. I'm not, you know, I have friends that live there. They're, they they were used to hearing this because it's true. So they didn't have the means. It wasn't attractive for doctors to be practicing there. It was 60 miles on a curvy road in bad weather to get to a hospital. So they began to try just remote medicine, right? You're on a phone talking to me, I'm your patient. And then we get on a video and suddenly you discover you can start doing things that help me. Yeah. And that was 30 years ago. Veterinary medicine paid no attention really until 2016. And I was part of a small group in Orlando that launched the Veterinary Innovation Council to focus on telemedicine, virtual care. It's taken us four years, Lisa's watched it happen, to get a profession that still has disbelievers, skeptics, just feel like, sorry, that that's not good enough for, for pets somehow. Well, we're a tough group. We're a tough group to change, right? Well, I think. and meanwhile, it is. But meanwhile, the Cleveland Clinic, you know, my wife teaches at Mayo Clinic, but sort of the two top hospitals oh, wow. in the country, Cleveland Clinic is offering $49 telemedicine calls from CVSs in New Jersey that puts you directly live in touch with a Cleveland Clinic doctor who's going to be a pretty good doctor. So, so the idea that somehow pets aren't worthy of that, but, but people are. And, yeah. and with COVID, um, what happened is governors across the country basically ordered human hospitals first to say telemedicine all day long unless a person has to come in, right? And, right. It, and it, just for social distancing. And then veterinary medicine was arguing that they were essential, don't shut our clinics. They didn't. And they, 23 states turned to veterinarians and said, do the same thing. So suddenly veterinarians didn't have a choice. They were ordered to do. They were basically told, use telemedicine unless that's not feasible to take care of the problem. Obviously, if pet needs surgery, it's got to come in. But but where possible, start like this with us talking, you know, on Zoom to, yeah. to see if you could figure it out. What were all 23 of those states? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, kid, he I would kid. know. I mean, <laughs> well, I'll I tell you what I would know, though. That would be wild. So people started using telemedicine which is smartphones and Zoom and, and messaging and texting sure. to us. And, and guess what? It worked. And, and practices made money. And pretty soon practices couldn't do without it. So we, uh, a good friend of, uh, of mine that, that Lisa knows, uh, Audrey Reisrich from Austin, Texas, who's a force what of up, nature. Audrey? Uh, yeah. we, We've uh, had pizza with Audrey. Audrey, we love uh, you. <laughs> and it, it wasn't telepizza, right? It was pizza together. In the yeah. Well, it was, yeah, it was yeah. physical pizza. Physical remember, the, pizza. remember the days? Those were, it's was hard great. to remember now. Yeah. Would also be a good band name. Physical pizza. Physical pizza. Yeah, good band name. Yeah. <laughs> she and I had uh, talked about this, the topic for a couple of years and we called each other and basically said, let's, let's go. So end of April, we had pulled together a group of 11 to start it. And now they, we've got, 3,600 members, and it's it's a big deal. So it's fun to be part of it. And I'm I'm one of the rabble rousers. And my side of it is the political side to get states to reform 
their practice acts to, to open the door to, to do more of it post-COVID. It's bonkers that they would not allow that. We took Chloe to the vet today and Lisa was able to go in, but there was five people outside in pouring rain yeah. waiting for their dogs. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's or, you know, cat, whatever. But yeah, it sucked. Yeah. Like, if there's a possibility that those could be seen by telemed, why would you deny people that? Right. It's crazy. You can't believe the arguments, but they come from a point that it's not just a veterinary profession, but it's, it's, it's probably more this way than any other profession. There's just a built-in resistance to change. And, and part of it is baby boomers not liking technology. And if they think about this as, oh my God, I have to stop practicing the veterinary medicine the way I've done for 40 years and I've got to go to a laptop and and the answer is no you just turn to your vet tech and vet nurse and say here help me out here or you outsource it I mean there's all sorts of ways to do it but there was this resistance factor that was very powerful and still is so so what's the money behind pushing that right because like every bill has a sponsor so who's sponsoring brick and mortar here's what I think it is I, I think you've I think you have some um, practitioners that have a really good thing going and probably have great practices. So I'm not going to say they don't do great medicine, but it's all based on visits into the clinic. And, and they, yeah. have a, they have a belief that telemedicine equals losing money. Lisa will tell you, practitioners will tell you that have tried telemedicine, it's called making more money. It's called building loyalty with millennial clients that'll be your, your clients for life because you were kind enough to say, hey, tell you what, put on FaceTime and let me take a look at your dog and let's start talking about this rather than, hello, get an appointment, I'll see you next week in my clinic. And a lot of vet clinics aren't located in the best parts of towns around the country. So there's a built-in resistance for a lot of millennials. They've said it in survey after survey, uh, my dog doesn't like going to a clinic. Four other dogs, three cats. They wait half an hour. The noise, the smell is awful. My my mom or dad are tense. You know, none of this is cool. Um, hello, yeah. particularly a cat. You know, versus. So I always say, picture a seventy-five-year-old woman with a cat in Bethesda, Maryland, on the eighth floor of an apartment building. Got it. She's going to risk her life getting her cat into a crate down seven floors, go out, get on a bus, make two connections, or walk to a clinic. Not happening. This poor lady. Then the poor cat. Really- but then the cat suffers too. I mean, so it's, oh, he told me to right, picture the lady. The, oh. <laughs> yeah. You say the poor lady. I say the poor he cat. He told me to yeah. picture <laughs> the lady. He didn't say picture the cat. I'll play it back. She already she already had to deal with the fact that her son became a bagpipe player and has a New York bagpipe <laughs> yeah. shop, and now she's got a cat. This guy, <laughs> he's on a hill, surrounded by gingers, playing his pipes the way he does. But you know that that's I mean, like the whole reason also behind you know my Instagram and the and the pet parent communication. Uh, Vivica put on a conference and I was honored to have a small speaking role at that conference. And, you know, I really just talked about how even a f- social media is sort of a form of virtual health, or I get people who message me with questions and I answer them. If there's, I had a, what, somebody messaged me, oh, somebody messaged me that their dog ate a tampon. <laughs> and you know what? I don't need to have a veterinary, I don't need to have a relationship with that person to tell them, you need to go to the emergency room and make your dog vomit, or you need to call ASPCA. And ASPCA is, is virtual care. And ASPCA yeah. will walk you through how to make your dog vomit at home if you can't get somebody 
somebody right now. I don't need to have a relationship with somebody to tell them that. I bet the the perceived threat, or I'm guessing, is that vet med is so local and so regionalized, you know, down to quadrants or, you know, sectors of cities and stuff, that the threat of of virtual vet med means that they could get poached from in their minds that they could get poached from a company from anywhere. Yes. But they, but it's It's misled because they still have to go to a, you know, they still need a local place for when they need to be seen. Number one, that is the fear and all the evidence from Ontario, Canada or Toronto, where it's 15 million people, they've had telemedicine for, uh, for three, three years, no complaints. No pet injured, no pet killed. And they find that it increases the visits to the clinic. Why? Because once they talk to Lisa on the phone and she's respectful and it's convenient, and then she says, I really need to see Chloe. Can you bring her in? They don't say, well, hell no. This is just a sneaky trap on your part to lure me into your clinic. They're like, great, what time? Right. I mean, it's like automatic. Secondly, in the human side, always the same fears for 30 years. Some company in Guadalajara or Sri Lanka are going to start poaching all the medical work on the Upper West Side. Really? You think so? You, you think <laughs> yeah. somebody on the Upper West Side that's got an issue is going to say, I can't understand what you're telling me, but but I'll follow your advice. So I take the knife and I start here. Bullshit. I mean, just, <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. But but that's one of the, that's definitely the myth they throw out there. That's what yeah. the future looks like. So. Did you ever have any Canadians call you and they need to get a tampoon oot? <laughs> no. Uh, I do comedy, guys. Yeah. Uh, we need okay. to do a Chloe update. Yeah, brief Chloe update. Yes. Brief so, me. I didn't. There's wait. major drama. There's some, in the some, in the Chloe world. Some drama. Chloe's, She's hammered right now. Chloe's pretty hammered right hammered. now, which is great. Um, <laughs> she is going to be ten in February, and she so we just tried to do. What we advocate, which is to be proactive about your senior dog's health. And uh, she went to a hospital, to my good friend where I refer, right? Anything that I, anytime I do any virtual care or um, yeah. house calls and they need to go in, this is who I well, refer to. listeners know that she had what is technically known as a booger scab on her elbow. <laughs> <laughs> she had a. It was a dangly a booger scab. T- skin, a big unsightly skin tag. It was tag. imperfection, and I don't accept that. <laughs> it uh, it was it got all it Cosmetic. got all it got ulcerated. So we decided to Pick remove it. Scab. So she got some methadone, which was fantastic. She really loves her methadone. We did an ultrasound <laughs> yeah, to make sure. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of guys outside your your apartment that love that methadone too. Yeah, That's in New York that. City now, it's, it's hard to get stuff. now. It's all yeah. suboxone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she had an ultrasound. She had a tooth pulled. Uh, so she had quite the day, but she's she's happy now. And she's but gonna, the she's ultrasound gonna was the thing you were wor- most worried about of yeah, all Yeah, I was of them. pretty sure we we're going to find the Loch Ness Monster in there because but, no, she's I a vet's was, dog. So I thought it was because she has to be on her back. Yes, that is very stressful for her. Being on her back, she's not really very good at it. There's a lot of projection also that Lisa is extremely stressed out on behalf of our beloved hound. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am married to, to Natalie, who's a PhD and teaches at Mayo Clinic. And our puppy, our, our papillon puppy, uh, Louis, for Louis Vuitton, Louis, um, <laughs> I- anything just puts her over the top. Now, we have a Chloe who's a cat. Chloe's yeah. a very, oh. in a very different state right now than your Chloe. Chloe is 
permanently pissed off. And she's, show, <laughs> she's showing she's it because, because Louie now sleeps on top of the bed with her and with Oscar, our other cat. And she just flipped. Like that next day she decided, I'm going to pee anywhere I want. Oh, at no. any oh that's time. exciting. And now she's discovered a different bed in the house all to herself. Oh, and she's no. slowly returning to normal. She's still pissed off. She's still antisocial. She still views me as staff, disappointing <laughs> staff that she wants to fire. <laughs> she doesn't know why she hasn't fired. But uh, so my, my Chloe is in a very different mode than yours. Uh, she could use some methadone right now. I think actually, can you email me or, or just text me the methadone and that'd be nice. Yeah. Well, this, this counts as a virtual health call. So that's not a problem. Yeah. You can get well, all the controlled substances. And that's very actually easily. what the podcast is too. I mean, and so, and I would give you all the virtual care advice, except that, uh, I think that you have a lot of friends who are so incredibly smarter than me. So, well, and also, uh, <laughs> we have a, a disclaimer on the, the back end of this podcast that this does not count as a medical visit. So <laughs> do not sue us. But if you need a lawyer, you give them my number, right? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. It's That's- a full circle. So yeah, we didn't go into what's your current crew and how did you get these guys? So uh, I, in my divorce, I lost my two dogs. And, and and a good number of other things, but uh, but my <laughs> my corgi Holmes and my uh, oh. retriever who's since passed on chips uh, stayed in Portland with my former wife. Um, but I married into the cats, uh, Chloe and Oscar, who are from the same litter in East Tennessee, so they have a bit of a twang. <laughs> Chloe is a princess. She, I always say she could be on in Manhattan, and she just she's a gorgeous, beautiful cat, but she's just so haughty. She's so contemptuous. Haughty. Haughty. And Oscar is the class clown. He's a little overweight. He's not like John Candy-esque, but he's 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 bigger boy than he should be. But he's just he's just cool, fun, and uh, all he wants is for us to invite friends over to swim on weekends because he likes to hang out with people. So he's a lot of fun, but he eats all the time. He doesn't mind our puppy, Louie, the Papillon. We were buying a piece of art at a gallery in Scottsdale. And this woman markets Papillon. She's so smart. If there's a showing, in her mind, that means there's probably some people with money in that building called the art gallery. She shows up with a pouch, and she has these two Papillon ears poking out over the top. And Natalie looks and goes, that's it. And I looked and said, yeah, that's a dog. What do you mean? That's it. She goes, no, that's that's the pocket dog I want. I said, <laughs> no. I said, I mean, literally that one or you, or like that breed. And she, anyway, I walked out that night with a Papillon and a pain. <laughs> there you go. And I talked to the woman and that's actually how she markets. Very smart. She, just, really, crazy. she just circles gallery showings. <laughs> it was nice to be played. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm in the business I'm in. So when somebody just works me over as well as that woman did, I actually, <laughs> right. I, I, I have a duty to pay her for it and say, Respect. You know, <laughs> and so, so, you walk out that day with a puppy. Well, we, we cut, I, I sat down and negotiated with her and the art dealer separately. We had dinner and the puppy was at our house the next day. So, oh, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, so he's terrific. He is a sweetheart and he has, 
He has a beautiful papillon tail that comes out on top. Usually, oh, it's, it's so all about the curly tail. All about <laughs> it. So, 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 how long ago did you uh, did you get bamboozled to, into buying Louis? The week before COVID. So he's 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 already the class president of his doggy daycare in Scottsdale. I mean, he walks in and everybody <laughs> wants to hang with Louis. He's just. He's a very cool guy. This sets us up perfectly that our listeners are just wondering when we're going to uh, put put you through the Cosmo-style personality test for Louie. We have, we have prepared <laughs> this for you so that we can better get to know him. On a scale from 1 to 10 is how you're going to answer these questions about your beloved Louie. On the Kinsey scale, 1 being the gayest, <laughs> 10 being the straightest, where does Louie fall? Louie is actually, you can't ever say any papillon is the... 10 okay on that scale because they just look like they're close to a one but <laughs> but i'd say louis you know when the tail curls back the other way and it's flowing but i i think louis is is like a wrestler and i said wrestler just in case anybody from the south is listening he's like <laughs> a profe- he's like a professional wrestler with the flowing mane no louis a nine five he's he's a nine point five okay all right. All right. How about his savagery? He chases and has caught a desert lizard. He kept he has it in caught. His, a desert. He has caught and he kept it in his mouth for ten minutes. He would. He ran and ran. Wouldn't let any cat, or me, <laughs> or Natalie get near him. That was his Oof. damn lizard. And and yeah. he, when he got it back, the lizard, which was that long, was now that long. <laughs> so cut he ate. He ate half the damn lizard. He oh ate my God. a freshly caught. <laughs> Desert lizard. Okay. And so I think I think the savage beast you know beats strongly inside this boy. Yeah. <laughs> so what 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 number would we assign to that? Uh, I I'd go 10 because the other, uh, what he likes to do indoors is play the tug of war. Part is strong. He, he, <laughs> and he he just wants to play tug of war with something, you know, with me and he won't let go. I mean, I'll get to the point that my arm is just literally lifeless. And I'm like, you won, you little shit. Sorry, there you go. You know, he's just that tough. So he's he's yeah, savage, crazy. Yeah, you would not know this looking at, at Louis. This is why we do no. the test. Yeah, this is why it. we yeah. do the test. Uh, let's talk about street smarts. How would he do on the mean streets of Phoenix? He's he's a six. I'm, uh, he's let me see if he can hear me. Now he's sleeping. That's good. I think I think Louis is a six. You know why? Because I've watched lizards outsmart him and I've been disappointed <laughs> when I've seen it happen. I've watched him chase a lizard into a bush and Louie goes into the bush and the lizard is in Tucson by now. And Lizzie, Louie's <laughs> in that bush, just shaking it. And so, no, I, I think you could, you could get some money out of Louie. You could steal his car. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, he might even be a five, but I, I'm, I'm going to, he's smart. So I'll say he's a six. Yeah. He could be standing on a quarter and you tell him to hold a bag and he would do it. Yeah. Oh, he, big time. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> and he, it's like the beginning look, of a Stevie Wonder song. Cause well, he'd hold it because there, he knows by definition there's something always in a bag uh-huh. well. and it just might, it just might be, it might just be a lizard. Right. It, 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 until you look inside, you don't know. So it'd be worth holding it just for that much. Special skills. Final question. Special skills. Extraordinary ability to go as far as the tennis ball was thrown behind mm-hmm. any object at any distance to find it and to take a normal sized tennis ball, which is larger than his head, get it between his teeth, run back and not drop it on the way. I, I, I don't think I could pay people to watch that, but it's, 
you know, every time he does it, I'm impressed. Yeah, that was okay. That's that's a special skill. So yeah. he he has a concept of object permanence, which is yeah. important. He, and he smarter and, than a two year old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, he's way smarter. He's way smarter than a two year old. Yeah. yeah. Take way that, smarter. babies that are listening. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. Mark, is there anything that we haven't talked about, or do you have a favorite part of the book or any highlights? My, my favorite part is the last chapter. Well, the, the story about the 19-foot reticulated python is an incredible story. of a couple, a, 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 a widow and a seven-year-old daughter whose the dad had just died in a truck crash outside Houston, who used to take a 19-foot python with him cross-country, right? Mm-hmm. And she drove all day on Christmas to L.A. to a specialist because the seven-year-old's memory of her dad was so tied to this 19-foot reticulated mm. python. And they put this thing in the back seat, and they drove however many hours that is to L.A. And he treated the snake, had a neurological disorder for six months, saved its life. Its name, of course, was Monty Python. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, I just, I mean, just the amazement of the, of the range of pets that people are attached to. But then the real favorite story is I take on the Pope, Pope Francis, who nicknamed himself or named himself rather after Francis of Assisi, who was a patron saint of pets or animals, right? Uh, and he's given three strange interviews and, and sermons, essentially attacking pets, that we, we shouldn't like pets as much. We have too many pets. We shouldn't buy things for pets. If you love a pet, you don't have any love left for anybody else. A kind really? of a zero, zero sum theory. And I suggest that he might have nicknamed himself Greg or Dan or Todd, or something, but he picked Francis, you know, for Francis of Assisi. He might have checked checked that out a bit before he went on his rant. So uh, my mom yeah. loved Francis the first. So she's in heaven right now, just going, "Would you shut up about the Pope? I like <laughs> I like where I am. You know, they don't know that you're my my son." Yeah. You know? So well, anyway. let us not forget that 2020, the harbinger of this being a weird year, was that on day one, the Pope slapped somebody. Slapped a woman. <laughs> on January I don't think 1st? I saw that. January you know 1st. I was, in, I was in China bringing COVID back to America. Excuse me. I was in, <laughs> oh, thank you for I, your service. I was in Shanghai, so I didn't know this. They didn't cover the Pope uh, in my hotel. So tell me. I don't even know the story. I, I believe it was in France. It might have been in Italy. And it was actually, I think, an Asian woman that he was like going around and like shaking hands the way he does. And this lady like clung on to him and he like slapped the shit out of her hand. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All the power of an 82 year old Argentinian, right? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. His, his right hand isn't as good as his right foot as with uh, most Argentines, but, uh, Yeah, well, <laughs> dude, well, th- you've been an amazing guest, and there is one thing left to do. Yes. Um, that is to decide by way of a quiz if you, Mark Cushing, deserve docs. <laughs> you know what it is. It's time for a quiz about dogs and shit. It's multiple choice, best out of three. I feel like you're a test taker. You'll probably be fine. And we might help you cheat. Lisa. (laughs) Um, 
So if you have Mark Cushing on your podcast, of course, when you're writing a quiz, you are going to search the term dog bagpipes. <laughs> one, <laughs> one would be directed to a video entitled My Dog Singing Along with the Bagpipes by username Piper Dude. Okay. Heard here. Okay, I think that's long enough. Uh, Ouch. The song is Indistinguishable Noise, but what kind of dog is that howling to the bagpipes? Old-fashioned mutt? Husky? Coonhound? Or Ghislaine has the P-tapes of President Trump? (laughs) Um, That is a mutt. That is correct. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Are you, you Piper, knew. dude? Yes. Who's wow. Piper, dude? We didn't even yeah. cheat on that one. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Show us your 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 math here, because that wasn't even a guess. That was an authoritative statement. That was a mud. You know, basically, when you pass a bar <laughs> exam, you're ruling out wrong answers. So I was I've been trained for years to just wow. eliminate eliminate multiple choice from the worst to what's left, and Plus it wasn't that was it, you, it, so. it, it, it wasn't any of the others. So it was a mud. There you go. <laughs> Are you sure you're not user dude or the, or the Piper dude? Uh, yes, it was an old-fashioned mutt, and it appears that the dog howls every time the guy starts playing. He stops for a second, the dog stops. He starts, the dog starts. So, And his name is Piper dude. Wouldn't you do, yeah. do the same? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Could you imagine being his neighbor? Okay, but, but Ghislaine has tapes of lots of people is also a right answer. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> That's the first time you in your life you didn't say Ghislaine. I know. Um, I didn't okay. want to I, I want to be somewhat respectful of Mark. <laughs> Question two. The website for Animal Policy Group has a peacock in the background of the landing page. Since your group does great work in the companion animal realm, you must know about the 2018 case in which a person with an emotional support peacock named Dexter was refused a seat on United. What best describes the person who was trying to fly with Dexter? A no-nonsense plumber from Staten Island? A hardworking mother of four from the Bronx? A roofer from Baltimore? Or an artist from Brooklyn? Well, you're not going to find somebody from Baltimore running around with a peacock. (laughs) So they're out. What if they work for NBC? (laughs) So we have Bronx, we have Staten Island, and we have a Queens? Brooklyn artist. A Brooklyn artist. Uh, Brooklyn, yes. So a little too obvious, Brooklyn artist. So we're going to rule that out. <laughs> I'd, I'd like, I'd like to pick that one. So now we're down to Bronx and Staten Island. Yes. I don't think you'd be allowed to get off the island or on the island with a peacock. So I think, I think it's Bronx. I think it's whatever that person in the Bronx does. A hardworking mother of four from the Bronx. Yeah. That or, also, or a Brooklyn artist. That also has the budget for a peacock. It was a Brooklyn artist. It was, <laughs> it was. an artist. Oh. It was yes. so obvious. We see so you made that one too easy. But yeah. you know what? Yeah. Where, where do you think that Brooklyn artist lives now after COVID? 
they probably live outside Milwaukee somewhere. So I don't know. <laughs> With her parents. So it's pretty much the same uh, thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. She first, it, the artist was, her name is one name only, Ventico, obviously. Yeah. Uh, she plays she, soccer she, in Brazil, right? They're just, just the last <laughs> name. Right. She, right. she first yeah. encountered Dexter as a prop for a project. And then he put his head in her neck and she was like, Oh my God, I have a peacock now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's her story. Wow. She was actually on the news telling that story. Okay, so uh, question three for all the marbles. I love it yeah. when it turns out this way. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. The artist, Ventico, Ventico, took Dexter draping his head over her shoulder as a sign of soul connection. Others online said it could have been because the bird was stunned because of what happening right before they met. Dexter had just shotgun like four beers. The previous owner spun him around on an office chair. He ran into glass, or he just flew in from Florida and man, were his arms tired. <laughs> I, I sadly must believe that uh, he bumped into some glass. I just have to believe that had to be it. Upon the magical moment that they met, they both ran towards each other, which could have, of course, been because male peacocks are super aggressive and charge any perceived threat. But Bird's kind biggest enemy, a freshly washed glass door, got in between them, go. and he bonked yeah. off the glass. Okay. Then she picked him up, and they fell in love forever. Uh, but that means you deserve, you deserve dogs. dogs. Yay. Oh, and, and peacocks, I think. Yeah, you deserve dogs and, and sure, peacocks. Yay. <laughs> We but, knew that, though. Yeah. We knew that. Two for three. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling good. You're pretty much three for three because you fail. knew the Brooklyn one. It was you knew it. So yeah, it's past. Yeah, fail. it's past. Fail. Fail. Like where, Brown University. Like Brown like, University. Yeah. Uh, where can where can the good folks find you? They can find me um, on uh, Barnes and Noble or Amazon to buy my book Pet Nation, of course, if that's what they want to do. But they can find me at markelcushing.com which is my author's site. They can find me at animalpolicygroup.com and they can find me on, I think, Instagram and all the rest. I'll be honest, I have folks that help me with all that. Or if they're in Paradise Valley, Arizona, um, they can just yell my name and I'll come calling and uh, bring my peacock, <laughs> the lizards, everybody else out to to see him and greet him. Yeah, well, this is perfect timing. Our our hammered dog just yeah. woke up, so we better wrap this thing up. And I need to go unfollow this bagpiper on LinkedIn. But uh, <laughs> you were yeah. a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, uh, so much fun. Thanks, thank you. Mark. We'll see you soon. Okay, Adios. bye. Thank you so much for listening to We Don't Deserve Dogs. I'm Richie Redding. And I'm Dr. Lisa Lippman. Yeah. And you can find both of us at our respective handles, those exact names, at Richie Redding, at Dr. Lisa Lippman. And uh, I just want to give special thanks to our editor, of course, who is Jordan Aaron, and our executive producer, King Joffrey himself, Jeff Umbro, of The Podglomerate. And you can find more of their shows at thepodglomerate.com. Some of the music in this episode comes from Breakmaster Cylinder. Make sure to check out the sponsors you heard in this episode because that really helps provide the show to you free of charge. Let them know we sent you. It also really helps people to find the show if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts or share an episode on socials. Tag us at We Don't Deserve Dogs and let us know what you thought. We'll see you next week when we return with another episode of We Don't Deserve Dogs. 
All content provided on We Don't Deserve Dogs is for informational purposes and entertainment value only. None of the content on We Don't Deserve Dogs is intended to constitute third-party veterinary advice or any other third-party professional advice. The content We Don't Deserve Dogs distributes or transmits should not be considered as a substitute for any type of professional veterinary advice. Nothing on We Don't Deserve Dogs is intended to be used as a veterinarian's diagnosis, veterinary treatment, or any other veterinary service and should not be relied on to affect the medical therapy of any pet. Nothing transmitted to or from We Don't Deserve Dogs can replicate a true doctor-patient relationship between yourself and a veterinarian. Your dependence on the content of any information found on or transmitted by We Don't Deserve Dogs is at your own risk. For veterinary care and advice, please see your veterinarian. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.